0: It's October 2000. Ten months after Elon Musk gets married, he finally sneaks in a belated honeymoon. The X.com CEO is taking his wife to Australia to catch the Summer Olympics. Ever the workaholic, Musk also schedules fundraising meetings down under. PayPal needs more money, even after the recent infusion. It's paying $2.50 for every credit card transaction but it loses another dollar to fraud on every $100 in payments. That's $10 million a month. At that kind of burn rate, the $100 million the company raised sure won't last long. And more trouble is brewing at PayPal headquarters. After reading an email from Musk, Levchin angrily sweeps a full soft drink can off his desk. Hell no! No freaking way! He hightails it to Reed Hoffman's office and slams the door behind him. You know what our idiotic overlord has just ordered? Hoffman leans back against his desk. Oh no, what? He's commanded me to move our entire Unix network architecture to Microsoft. Ouch. For a Unix devotee like Levchin, that's sacrilege. Unix is a clear and easily shared operating system. In Levchin's mind, Microsoft Windows is the product of a greedy corporation that forces people into using a proprietary single-platform design. I can't stand what he's doing. He's not taking the fraud problem seriously at all either. Instead, he told me to revamp the website. (laughs) Well, things were definitely better when Peter ran the show. Back then, PayPal employees were also used to freewheeling discussions with their bosses, who they could challenge without fear. Back then, the smartest idea won. These days, Musk's management style is hierarchical and imperious. He is the regent, and everyone else is his subject. It doesn't do much for morale the way he favors X.com over PayPal employees either. X.comers act like they own this business. It's like Musk wants to obliterate our very identity. Recently... Musk moved to phase out the PayPal brand in favor of X.com. He paid a million dollars for the domain name. But internal surveys show the public doesn't like it much. It just sounds too much like a porn site. But Musk brushed off the survey results and ordered PayPal's name expunged from the website. Now, with Musk boarding his plane, Levchin plants the seeds for a mutiny. He leans in toward Hoffman. We need Teal back in charge. I couldn't agree more. They confide in David Sachs, who joins the duo in short order. They commandeer a conference room to study an organizational chart and figure out who else might join their insurrection. Then, they write a petition to the board. Hoffman looks at the document closely, feeling a mixture of pride and worry. This reads more like an ultimatum than a petition. Clearly this suits Levchin just fine. So we all agree, either Peter returns as CEO or we'll all quit and kill the company. Hoffman nods. And if the board doesn't go along, more than a hundred million dollars in venture capital will go up in a puff of smoke. Levchin grunts, yeah, but he can't possibly capture the full realization coming to him in this moment. Levchin now sees that to save the company. They'll have to be willing to destroy it. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know, with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of size guarantees eternal love because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15, discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amx slash you know. Now, since you're a podcast listener, I'm sure you know all about how audio just does something to the imagination. So I'm really excited to tell you about how Audible's brand-new exclusive thrillers are brought to life with that kind of captivating sound design, the eerie soundscapes and dynamic performances. There's one that caught my eye. I should say it caught my ear. It's an Audible original called Sleeping Dogs Lie by Samantha Downing. It details the aftermath of a local businessman's murder in Marin County, California, a once-sleepy suburb now part of the bustling Silicon Valley area. And as an Audible member, well, you get to keep one title a month from their entire catalog, including bestsellers and new releases. New members can try Audible now, free, for 30 days. Head on over to audible.com bw or text bw to 500-500. That's audible.com slash bw or text BW to 500-500 and try out Audible free for 30 days. From Wondery, this is Business Wars. I'm David Brown. started this series eBay and PayPal were competing with each other and weirdly working to grow both their businesses in parallel. In the last episode we heard how PayPal merged with its most serious challenger X.com headed by Elon Musk. In episode 5, breaking up is hard to do. PayPal is getting ready to go head to head with eBay. But it's tricky. Move too quickly, and PayPal's plan implodes too slowly, and eBay will destroy them. Before PayPal can fine-tune this delicate maneuver, it has to contend with the challenger within its own camp, x.com. Levchin canvasses his engineering team for signatures to sign the petition demanding Teal's return. Virtually everyone on the original PayPal team signs it. As the revolt spreads, Musk's ex loyalists catch wind of the plot. Julie Ankenbrandt, the vice president of PR after the merger, tips off Musk. Ankenbrandt isn't too concerned. To her, the animosity between the two camps seems downright natural, like normal competition, the kind you expect from two competing startups that merge. From halfway around the world, Musk calls Ankenbrandt. So, how bad is it? Not that bad. I think it's going to be okay. Still, the whole thing is unsettling. She notices but brushes off what seem like small things, but somehow they bury themselves in her subconscious. In the middle of the night, a few hours after she turns in, Anken Brandt bolts upright in her bed, her heart pounding. She drives to the office to find the lights blazing. She calls Musk. He... You'd better get back here. That morning, Levchin and Hoffman, with a few PayPal faithful in tow, burst into the Sequoia Capitol office of board member Mike Moritz and hand him a fat folder stuffed with signed petitions. Moritz is from Wales and a former journalist who covered tech before investing in it with such success that he became known as having the Midas touch. He's no pushover, but he'll certainly listen. Meanwhile, Musk cuts short his Olympic vacation and honeymoon. The CEO flies back to Silicon Valley to confront the rebellion. The battle lines are drawn. The board consists of six people. Teal, Levchin, and Musk come from the combined company. Then there are three independent directors. Moritz, John Malloy from Nokia Ventures, and Tim Hurd from Madison Dearborn. To stay under the radar, Teal and Levchin go to Levchin's Palo Alto apartment to continue strategizing. Teal starts things rolling. By virtue of the board structure, we have the advantage. Malloy will vote with us. He led our very first venture capital round. That means you, me, and Malloy equal three votes. I can count two, Max. But Moritz might side with Elon. He was the second largest investor in X.com before the merger. Although, if I'm Elan, I wouldn't count on it. That leaves only one board member to sway. Mm-hmm. Tim Hurd. I'll call him before Elon gets off the plane. Levchin calls Hurd and brings him up to speed. Levchin and Teal are on the speakerphone. Hurd's not happy about being put on the spot like this. Mostly, he's ticked off because Levchin just can't let go of the fraud issue and the whole server thing. I heard you, Max. I've already acknowledged there are problems. I agree that fraud could be life-threatening to the company, but frankly I couldn't care less what servers you run on. Are you really serious about destroying the company if you don't get your way? Levchin looks at Teal. Yes. Yes. Levchin jumps in. Absolutely. Jesus. The board meets. The wait is excruciating. Finally, Moritz calls. We're not sold on handing the reins back to Peter. Wait wait a minute. I'm not done. Peter can be the interim CEO until we can conduct a (laughs) thorough search for a new leader. We hope that... Hello? Hello? Oh, damn it. Moritz hangs up during the revelry and calls Musk. He grimaces as soon as Musk picks up and then explains. I'm sorry, Elon, but the board has decided. All because I told Max to switch from Unix to Microsoft? That's absurd. It's more than that, and you know it. Your management style was too top-down. Maybe, maybe. But you know what the real lesson here is? Why? Don't take vacations with Teal back as CEO, a position he would retain until the end. PayPal returns to normal. By this point, in the fall of 2000, the company is well on its way to grabbing 200 million PayPal accounts worldwide. Teal consults with Hoffman, his old friend and now company president. They agree the time is right to seek a buyer. Fraud is down, internal squabbles have resolved, and growth is hot. Hoffman takes the lead. With a meaty face and wavy brown hair, he looks a bit like a friendly construction foreman. He's a meticulous man. When he was in middle school, he began editing Dungeons and Dragons role-playing scripts for a Bay Area gaming company. He got a degree in philosophy and then studied at Oxford before abandoning an academic career to pursue something that he believed would have greater social reach. He brings his analytical thinking skills to sales negotiations. Hoffman and Thiel set their minimum price at $600 million. They approach Google and Yahoo, both Internet giants gobbling up smaller online service providers. But there's a hitch. By now, 70% of PayPal's business takes place on eBay. Hoffman visits Yahoo's offices. Overgrown plants cast fat shadows, leaving little room for light to slant into the conference room. Yahoo's executive, tanned, bespectacled, offers him a bottle of water. The visitor accepts. We've crunched the numbers, and our market capitalization sits right now at seven hundred million. We're growing, and we could sit still, but we're exploring our options. He inquires what sort of interest the Yahooigans might have in buying the company. The executive fidgets a bit before responding. I have to tell you, Reed, we've been watching what you're doing, and it is very impressive. But Hoffman knows what's coming. An enormous slice of your business comes from eBay. Sixty percent. I mean, that looks to us like you're dependent on them. I'll grant that we overlap quite a bit. Sure. But what if they block you? They wouldn't do that. 70% of eBay users accept payments through PayPal. The users would just riot. But they have Billpoint waiting in the wings. Billpoint's growing on their network as well, you know. Hoffman snorts, but the executive persists. If Billpoint gets a little more popular, then shutting you out is a real possibility. Then we'd just have paid $700 million for a worthless company. Okay, I I see what you're saying. We'll be in touch. Good luck, Reed. Hoffman leaves the meeting a bit rattled. Yahoo's right about the risk. Hoffman meets with Google executives. They bring up similar concerns. PayPal is simply too dependent on eBay to be a safe investment. Meanwhile, eBay has in fact considered kicking PayPal off its network. But Hoffman, ever the smooth operator catches wind of that possibility and places a well-timed phone call to an associated eBay. I'm not asking you whether it's true or not that you've been thinking about taking us off the platform. But look at what the feds are doing to Microsoft. What Hoffman's talking about here are accusations that Microsoft is becoming a monopoly and it's taking heat for that. The Justice Department has accused Microsoft of effectively coercing PC makers into loading Microsoft's browser and making it the default option. That leaves its competitor Netscape out in the cold. The litigation was brutal. Hoffman keeps making his pitch. Listen, listen, I'm just saying now is not the time for eBay to act like a monopoly anyway. Think how your users would react. Of course, even this defense is risky. Antitrust action will be for Teal and Hoffman cold comfort. By the time they litigated against eBay, PayPal would be dead, much like Netscape. For now, they have to stay eBay's hand. With a renewed sense of their vulnerability, Thiel and Hoffman agree it's time to quietly prepare for an IPO. But they couldn't have picked a worse time. The country is mired in a recession thanks to the dot-com bust. Fact is... They don't have much of a choice. If they're going to survive, they need the money. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. LinkedIn Jobs isn't just another job board. With a vast network of more than a billion professionals, it's the best place to hire. You'll get access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And if that sounds overwhelming, look, don't worry, it's not. LinkedIn Jobs makes the process easy and intuitive. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. If you're like me, hiring the best candidates for a job can often be about who you know, the connections you make. My favorite thing about LinkedIn Jobs is the ability to screen for the experience and qualities you're looking for and reach out directly, not waiting for the right person to come in over the transom, sifting through emails. It's actually fun to find people with the skills and backgrounds you need this way through LinkedIn Jobs. Often, you're making connections that help your business along the way. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash business wars. You can thank me later. That's linkedin.com slash business wars to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. By this point, the market for online businesses has cooled considerably. Throughout the year 2000, dot-coms lose value. In most cases, they die even after a rush of cash infusions they say incomplete the super bowl is often seen as an economic and cultural barometer it's also a leading indicator of the health of an industry this is the era of the dot com bubble and the super bowl is where they do their swaggering in 2000 14 dot com companies run ads at 2.2 million dollars a pop one of the most popular ads that year is this one from eds a tech services management company they're flush and having plenty of fun in this ad. I wouldn't do nothing else. It ain't an easy job, but when you bring a herd into town and you ain't lost a one of them, ain't a feeling like it in the world. A couple of gruff cowboys on horseback are herding hundreds of cats. Yeah, cats out on the range. Like two weary cowhands that compare scratch marks at the end of the day. I think I've ever done. I got this one this morning, right here. And if you look at his face, It's just ripped to shreds, you know. And it gets a good laugh. But by 2001, in the wake of the dot-com bust, only three dot-coms bothered to advertise. An e-trade commercial wordlessly makes the point about the dot-com apocalypse, tipping its Stetson to last year's cat-herding ad... This commercial, also a Western, features a chimp in cowboy gear on horseback. He rides through a ghost town of crumbling shuttered dot-com companies. The chimp dismounts and picks up a battered hand puppet, the avatar of the defunct pets.com. A tear rolls down the chimp's face. The commercial ends with a sign admonishing viewers to invest wisely. Then, in mid-2001, things get Infinitely darker. Like a movie, I saw a large plane, like a jet, go immediately, headed directly into the World Trade Center. It just flew into it. Into the, into the PayPal employees turn on the TV and watch as plumes of dark black smoke gush out of gaping wounds in the World Trade Towers. After that globe-altering attack, the market tanks further. Not only that, but something fundamental has shifted for Levchin and Thiel, even if it won't become clear quite how for some time. PayPal began after a talk Thiel gave about the limits of state power. With their original idea to send money worldwide at the press of a button, they hoped to move the world closer to a stateless utopia. But this attack will put those dreams of a technocratic stateless social order to bed. Still, PayPal continues to prepare for its IPO despite all this economic turbulence. Truth is, with eBay controlling so much of its business, they have little other choice. They desperately need the money if they are to stay alive. Not that they tell investors this. On September 28th, barely two weeks after the attacks of 9-11, PayPal announces plans to go public. Wall Street is still reeling after the attack. The markets are in tumult. Dot-coms are blowing up all around them. So this seems bizarre. Bloomberg is baffled and sums up the public reaction in an article entitled, Can PayPal Pull This Off? The article begins, Why it's doing an IPO now is a mystery. To investors, perhaps. But not to PayPal's leadership team. They know exactly what they are doing. After the announcement, people are left guessing at PayPal's approach. The company can't legally comment thanks to an enforced silent period before IPOs. eBay hopes to pounce on the uncertainty surrounding the impending IPO. The company approaches PayPal about a deal. But when they meet, it becomes apparent the two companies do not see eye to eye. Representatives greet one another in a Goldman Sachs conference room to discuss possible terms, but Hoffman notices that something is awry. If eBay is serious about acquisition, then I want a common framework for evaluation. A Goldman exec tries to reassure him. Of course, Reed. I'm looking at the valuation that eBay is bringing to the table, and that's a far cry from our numbers. Meg Whitman smiles. Well, you know, Reed. Different assumptions and all. Ah, uh, we're quite familiar with our own business particulars. You can take our $650 million to the bank, and that may well be low-balling it, given the possibilities with our IPO. Your estimate of our worth is half that. Jesus, it's less than half. We've taken those possibilities into account. You think we haven't done our homework? Hoffman is silent for a minute as he pours over the spreadsheet. Uh, Hold on. These values are too low. We agreed on these numbers, and you changed them. An eBay negotiator leans over to look. Let me see now. It's clear to Hoffman that the eBay negotiators are stalling. Oh, sure. Must have slipped your notice. Hey, let me know what you find, all right? This looks like the classic, we can destroy you so we are going to offer you a pittance ploy. Is that what you think is going on here? How else do you come up with a number like that? I think eBay gave you a low-balled maximum price, and you all went along with it. I'm not haggling from an anchor of half what we're worth. The two companies again exchange spreadsheets, and Goldman inserts the original valuations. Hoffman turns to the Goldman team. It's hard to feel like you're bargaining in good faith at this point. What follows from eBay is what Hoffman later calls the Microsoft lecture. It's a variation on the Godfather's I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. The intent is the same, but it goes like this. We are going to make this offer once and then crush you. You really should take this offer. Hoffman walks out. eBay has something of a power position here, but can't press its advantage As long as PayPal is so intimately tied into its network. And PayPal, while vulnerable, can hope to force eBay's hand by going public. Hoffman realizes he can't push eBay too far or walk away from negotiations himself. As long as eBay is negotiating with PayPal, eBay can't badmouth PayPal in the press or it would hurt its own future business. But if it did, PayPal's IPO would sputter. Hoffman gathers the board together to settle on a minimum sticker price they'll accept in lieu of going public, which remains an arrow in their quiver, but a risky maneuver. They decide on $1 billion, a cool 150% of their in-house valuation. Hoffman relays the news to eBay. Negotiators counter with $750 million. Hoffman tells them, no dice. Negotiations drag on eBay offers 800 million. Still no. Then 825. Finally 850 million. All the while, Hoffman stays firm on 1 billion dollars. After several weeks, eBay tells him 850 million dollars is its final offer. Hoffman, put it simply. I'll be very clear again. You give me a billion dollars, you own the company. At $850 million, I don't know if you own the company or not. I'll have to go back to the board to talk about it. But Meg Whitman, bargaining from what she sees as a position of power, sticks to her guns. Hoffman takes the $850 million offer back to the PayPal board for consideration. The eBay board grits their teeth at having bent as far as they did, but feel confident that all will work out in their favor. It may yet, but first, they have to sweat. These two companies have grown so closely intertwined, they can hardly exist one without the other. It's been a contentious relationship filled with suspicion and blame. The question is can this marriage be saved? And if not, who walks? Hey, Prime members, you can binge every episode of Business Wars ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Business Wars. Quick note about the conversations you've been hearing. We can't know exactly what was said, but this dialogue is based on our best research. I'm your host, David Brown. Adam Penenberg wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Jenny Lauer is our producer. Sound designed by Bay Area Sound. Our executive producer is Marshall Louis, created by Hernan Lopez for Wondery.